Your name is Jesus, Lord, Lord I lift your name on high. Hallelujah. Glory. He's Glory worthy. Hallelujah. He's Thank the King Lord. of kings. Hallelujah. And he is the Lord of lords. Thank Hallelujah. God. Glory, worthy. God. We serve an awesome God. Hallelujah. Glory. A God that sits high and looks low. A God that is on the throne. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Glory, God. A God that wants to dwell on the inside. Hallelujah. And have fellowship with us. Glory, God. The splendor of a king. Clothed in majesty, let all the earth rejoice, let all the earth rejoice. He wraps himself in light, and the very darkness tries to hide. It trembles at his voice. It trembles at his voice. How great is our God. Sing with me. How great is our God. And all will see how great. How great. Is our God. Hallelujah. Age to age he stands. And all time is in his hands. Beginning and the end. He's beginning and the end.
to go into the word we're going to let this song play and we do not have rights to this song amen hallelujah
sing that again. Hallelujah. Every voice in this room. you have. So we give you high praise and we say Hallelujah. You have won it all for me. Listen, I want you to lift your hands for just a moment. Let's worship God. I want to hear that guitar for just a moment. I, I just want you to minister. The Bible calls it a, a Zamar praise. That praise upon the string instruments is that salam praise. <laughs> Glory to God. The Bible says that Saul called for David to offer a Zamar praise. When he was troubled with the spirit, there are some of you who are troubled in your spirit. But as we worship God in this fashion, God is going to set you free in your spirit. an honor and a privilege to know that we can still have church amen because we are the church hallelujah so we honor God on today the day of resurrection the day that he has rose he has risen 
Father, we just thank you. We glorify you. We magnify you. We lift up your name on high. Father, you are to be exalted, God. You are to be praised. We just adore you, God. Hallelujah. Glory to your name. There is no other God like you. So, Father, on today, God, we thank you for the death, burial, and the resurrection of Jesus Christ. God, we thank you, Father God, that we have all been crucified with Christ, and it's no longer us who live, but it's Christ who lives in us. We thank you for the blood of Jesus, because without the shedding of blood, there was no remission for sins. So we thank you, and we praise you on today. And, Father God, those that are out there listening, God, to this live on today, God, we thank Thank you, Father God, that they will say, what must I do to be saved? Those that have not accepted Jesus as their Lord and as their Savior. So, Father, we give you glory, we give you honor, and we give you praise. And we thank you that this is the day that you have made. We shall rejoice and we shall be glad in it. Now, Father God, I thank you, God, for my helper, my teacher today, which is the Holy Spirit. Holy Spirit, I cannot do it without you. I thank you, Holy Spirit, for illuminating this word, letting light shine through this word, that it penetrate my being, that it penetrate the people's being, that it become fire and devour everything around us. It becomes a two-edged sword. It becomes a hammer that breaks the rocks into pieces. I thank you, Father, that I have decreased, God, and you have increased on the inside of me. To God be the glory in Jesus' name. Amen and amen. Hallelujah. Glory be to God. Before I go into um, the teaching on the day, I just want to share with what God has been sharing with me. I tell you, it's a time that when we go into prayer, we go into prayer to not only to talk to him, but to listen to what God is saying unto us. And as God was speaking, he began to tell me this. He said, during this crisis, people are trusting man more than their trust in me. So I said, okay, God, I, I hear you because God has been saying this for since before this crisis have come. He said, people are trusting man more than they're trusting me. Now we can understand that the world would trust man, amen? But he's saying, my people are trusting man more than they're trusting me. And God gave me two scriptures to verify what he was saying. The first scripture he gave me was Psalms um, chapter 20. And when I began to read that, I said, okay, God, I, I hear where you're coming from. And in Psalms chapter 20, he was saying some trust in chariots and some in horses, but we will remember the name of the Lord, our God. So he said, people are trusting in man more than they're trusting in me. But then he gave me the scripture that really hit home. It was in Jeremiah 17, beginning at verse five. He said, thus says the Lord, cursed be the man that trusts in man and maketh flesh his arm and whose hearts depart from the Lord. So he said, men are trusting, men are trusting men more than they're trusting God. And he said, cursed be the man. And what he means is when we trust man more than we trust God, we're allowing evil to come in our house. And how am I saying this? Because when you're putting more trust in what man is saying than what God is saying, you're bringing fear in your house. And fear is a spirit. And when you open the door to fear, you're going to open the door to every evil work. 
So he's saying here, for he said, he want us to be, for he shall be like the heath in the desert and shall not see when good come. Did y'all hear that? He said, he shall be like the heath in the desert and shall not see when good come, but shall inhabit the parched places in the wilderness and a salt land and not inhabit it. But he said, blessed is the man that trusts in the Lord and whose hope is the Lord. And it goes on to say, when we trust him, we're going to be like a tree. We're going to be planted by the rivers. So those that are putting their trust in man, guess what? You bring an evil into your house. And I'm seeing this during this crisis. People are waiting on man to say again, you can come out. People are waiting on man to say again, um, okay, it's over. But the Lord had uh, begun to tell me this. He said, my people are taking detours. And I said, what do you mean, God, by your people taking detours? He said, they're coming out of the word and they're going into other places. They're taking detours. When you see these detours on the road, they detour you because, you know, they're doing something on that road. He said, the enemy is detouring my people. He's taking their focus off of the word and he's putting their focus on COVID-19. He's putting their focus on the crisis and he don't want them to have this life that they already have and this life more abundantly. So I want to say today, take your mind off of COVID-19. It is here, but you do not exalt COVID-19 more than you exalting God. Everything that man say to do, and we thank God that that's man's way of doing, that's man's way of feeling like they're protecting all of us and we want to abide by the laws of the land. I'm not telling you not to do that, but do not do these things and not trust God. You got to trust God because before all of this come about, we walked in grocery stores. We went about our business. We didn't think about what was around us. We just went about our business. But I'm telling the church, this is testing time for the church. God is showing people where they are in him in such a time as this. You're seeing more Christians who say they trust God. We're seeing them fall by the wayside. We're seeing where they are planted. We're seeing that they're not planted in the word of God where they need to be planted. That ground still need to be cultivated and turned over, but that's still good. Because if you're seeing yourself in a panic, if you're seeing yourself in a fear, it's not too late to get into the word of God. Go in Psalms 91 and say, God, I'm a dwell in this secret place of the most high. I'm going to abide up under the shadows of the almighty. I'm going to say that you are my refuge. That you are my fortress, you are my dwelling place, and in you I trust. And you have to take that scripture and you have to live by that scripture, not just saying it with your lips, but it has to come out of your heart. So when you're walking amongst people, you're not walking in fear. You walking in trusting God and we have Christians now that are doing what man is saying, but never done what God told them to do. Come on, y'all. Come on, soon as man say do something, we do it. But when the word tell you to do it, you hesitate like you don't hear the word. You don't hear what the word is saying. So God said, quit taking detours. Quit trying to get quick, fix, quick fixes and trust in me with all your heart. Lean not to your own understanding, but acknowledge me in all your ways and I shall direct your path. Y'all, that's a promise. So God want us to trust in him today. 
He wants us not to put trust in man because the Bible says man will fail you. Man is just man, but God is not man that he should lie. Neither the son of man that he shall repent. Have he not said it? Shall he not make it good? God has said it. Have he not said it? Shall he not do it? Have he not spoken it? Shall he not make it good? Y'all, this word is not going to change, but man is changing what they're saying every day. Man is predicting death. God already saved us from death. Death don't have a hold on us. This is what resurrection is about. We shouldn't fear death because we know where we're going. So we shouldn't be afraid when we're walking amongst people worrying about if they're going to sneeze, if they're going to cough. Did you worry about that sneeze before you knew about COVID-19? Matter of fact, you sneeze on yourself, you sneeze in your hands, and then you shook somebody's hand and they didn't know it. Yes, you did. Yes, you did. You did it. Some of y'all flickered all in your nose. Flickering stuff. All in the atmosphere. What you don't know won't harm you. But what you do know will kill you. And people don't realize that the enemy is after your mind. Your mind control your body. For as a man thinketh in his heart, so is he, so does he become. So the more you think about COVID-19, you don't have to be in the midst of them. You can be in your house and you can develop symptoms by your mind, your thinking. For as a man thinketh in his heart, so is he, so does he become. Don't become COVID-19. Become God-minded. You have the mind of Christ. Let this mind be in you, which was also in Christ Jesus. And I'm reminded of something with the Holy Spirit. You got people out there that don't know God is saying, stay home so we can come out again. Stay home so we can get rid of this and come out again. And the Holy Spirit was reminding me how people was telling people to come out and party. Come out and party with us. Come out with us, you'll have a good time. They were enticing people to do all sorts of things that they should not have been doing. And now they're saying, stay home so we can come out. Why? So you can go back into the same things you've been doing. See, while people are home, church, it is our opportunity. While we have this opportunity, we need to take it and we need to be presenting Jesus in a way that we have never presented him before. Change should come through this COVID-19. And if change does not come, it's because people didn't want the change. So I'm telling you now, quit taking detours. Quit trusting man and trust God. Yes, man is telling you what we should or should not do. That's all well and good. And we want to respect the laws of the land. But we do not want these things to overtake us to bring fear. Well, we don't want to come out of our house God shared with me, he said, once this is over, people are still going to be in fear of coming out their house. They're going to still be in fear when they go in the grocery store because they're going to worry about if somebody sneezes. Or, but you know why? Because the enemy is reprogramming your mind. Christians, we have the mind of Christ, so he wants you to think death. 
He wants you to think that something is still going to go on around you. So even when this is over and they say you can come out, come on, we should fill the houses of God. But some people are going to be afraid to go to church because they were not even attending church online. They were attending more to the television than they were to God. We got so many people watching CNN. What else is it? Whatever it is, I don't even know what you call them. Watching all of these channels. Talking about COVID-19, it won't take your eyes off of it. If we keep our eyes in the word of God, and this is what God keeps, he keeps saying this. Amanda, pay attention to my words. I keep hearing it. Amanda, pay attention to my words. Amanda, incline thine ear unto my saying. Amanda, let them not depart from your eyes. Amanda, keep them in the midst of your heart. Why do I want you to do all this, Amanda? Because they are life unto all those that find them. That's the key. And they are help to all flesh. So he said, Amanda, if you pay attention to my words, if you incline your ear unto my sayings, if you let them not depart from your eyes, If you keep them in the midst of your heart, you got to keep them in the midst of your heart. So when you're in the word and you're paying attention to the word and the word is not departing from your eyes, he said, I want you to keep it. I want you to guard it with all diligence for out of it are the issues of life. Guard your heart. He said, when you do this, he said, it's going to bring life to all of your flesh, every bit of your flesh, and it's going to bring health unto your body. Why? Because you are tending to my words and not COVID-19. That's a promise. That's a promise. It's already written. God said, I want you to make this your rhema. When you go out, I want you to pay attention that no evil shall befall you. Neither shall any plague come nigh your dwelling because I have given my angels charge over you. So I want you to walk proud when you go out knowing that everything has already been done on your behalf. See, we shouldn't be walking out like everybody else. We should be walking out with a testimony. We should be walking out as being witnesses to the resurrection because the resurrection is what we should be representing in this dying world. He has risen. Why are you walking around like he's dead? We as Christians are walking around like Jesus didn't do what he said. Y'all is so sad. Because in a time like this, you're seeing more Christian folks on YouTube. You're seeing them on Facebook. You're seeing them coming up with their own conclusion, saying, we need to be doing this. Why weren't you doing that before it came? Why are you telling people to do this now? Why weren't you preparing them before it came? Some people saying, there's more black people dying now. Before they were saying it wouldn't touch a black person. Before they said no black person can get COVID-19. Now they're saying black people are dying more than white people. The point of, he don't want you to die. He wants you to live. Quit eating this and quit eating that so to build up your immune system. 
word. This is what builds up your immune system. Because some people that's eating the right thing, they still die. Come on, quit making excuses. Quit making excuses and do what the word of God is telling you to do. Everything that the word says, we need to be doing it. And we can do it because we have a helper, which is the Holy Spirit. Amen? So let's get into the word. Amen. Got me all stirred up and worked up here. Thank you, Holy Ghost. Go with me to Luke 24. Luke 24, beginning at verse 1. Luke 24. Thank God for the word of God. Amen. Because it brings life. In Luke 24, I'm reading the King James Version. Now upon the first day of the week, very early in the morning. Did y'all hear that? Very early in the morning. Some of us don't even want to get up early. It says, very early in the morning, they came unto the sculpture, sculpture, bringing the spices which they had prepared and certain others with them. And they found the stone rolled away from the sculpture. And they entered in and found not the body of the Lord Jesus. And it came to pass as they were more perplexed thereabout, behold, two men stood by them in shining garments. And as they were afraid and bowed down their faces to the earth, they said unto them, Why seek ye the living among the dead? Let me stop right there. This is what we're doing. We have the resurrection power on the inside of us. And we're acting like dead folk. We're acting like we're not even alive. He said, Why seek ye the living among the dead he is not here but is risen remember how he spoke unto you when he was yet in galilee saying the son of man must be delivered into the hands of sinful men and be crucified and the third day rise again and they remembered his words and returned from the sculpture and told all of these things unto the eleven and to all the rest i'm gonna stop there at that verse you may be seated we're talking about the resurrection we're not even going to talk, um, not only talk about the resurrection where he has risen, but he, he rose with power. So we see here that they went back to the tomb where Jesus was buried. And as they went to the tomb, they did not find his body. And the angel told them, how are you looking from the living amongst the dead? We as the church should not be a dead church. We should be a church that's alive. We should be a church that's walking in the newness of life. Amen. So we see that the angel was saying, why are you looking for the living amongst the dead? He is not here. He has risen. And then the angel began to say, remember what he told you. See, Jesus told them before his death, Jesus said that he was going to die. Jesus said he was going to be buried. He was going to be crucified. He was going to be buried. But Jesus said, I'm going to rise on the third day. So he did not leave his followers ignorant. What am I saying? God has not left us ignorant, church. He has not left us ignorant. Everything that we need is already written. Everything that we need, the Holy Spirit is going to bring it to our remembrance. He's going to remind us of what the word has already said. God has not left us ignorant. So he said, remember what he said. So this is what they did, and they remembered the words, and they returned. And the next thing we're going to go into is, when they returned, they began to tell them about what had happened. And in verse um, 
11 it said, and their words seemed to them and as idle tales, and they believed them not. Now look at the followers of Jesus. They were disciples. They were learners of Jesus. They spent time with the word. They saw the miracles. They saw um, demons um, being cast out, unclean spirits being cast out. They saw people healed. But Jesus began to tell them that he was going to die, he was going to be buried, and he was going to rise again. They did not believe that. So when they began to tell them, I saw Jesus, the Bible says that they thought this was an idle tale. Come on, y'all. This is where the church is today. Everything that you have learned, everything that you have been taught, I'll give you an example, Miracle Temple, and I'm not saying this for me to be exalted because God is the one that need to be exalted because when God give you something, he give you a forewarning. Miracle Temple should not be ignorant at such a time as this because God warned you. He prepared you over a year ago. He been saying this for the longest. He been saying that the only thing that is going to keep you is the word of God. Because it's something coming upon the land where the doctors don't even have a cure for it. So you need to trust God now. And you need to get built up in your word. So when this come, you will be ready for what's yet to come. Guess what? People right now in the church that heard the word is living like they didn't get it. They're living just like the world is living. Like they're scared that they're going to die. Mm-hmm. It shouldn't be that way. Because if God is teaching you just like these followers, he taught them. They walked with him. They, he gave them the word. He was the word. They walked with the word. He even manifested himself through what he was saying. But the day that he rose again, these people thought it was an idle tale. How can they think something like that when Jesus told them what was going to happen? Just like he tell us in the word of God. By Jesus Christ, you are already healed. But then when something attack us, we're saying, when are you going to heal me? He said, you already healed except the healing. But we're waiting for our bodies to stop hurting before we accept what he's already done. See, we are spiritual beings. So if he already done it, we're going to pull it out of the spirit and it's going to manifest itself in the physical. But you got to see it in the spirit first. You got to see yourself healed according to what his word has already said. Regardless of how your body is reacting, you got to speak to your body and you got to say, body, you're the healed of the Lord. Though you don't feel like it, you heal. You know why? Because the word says you heal. And there's power in the word of God. So no matter how I feel or no matter how you feel, the word is telling you it's already done. So we look at um, them, they would not believe that Jesus had risen. So the next thing in verse 12, then arose Peter and ran to the sculpture and stooping down, he beheld the linen clothes laid by themselves and departed, wondering in himself, at that which was come to pass. He was wondering. Come on. He was wondering, but he was already told. Jesus said, he said, I'm going to rise again. He said, on the third day, I'm going to arise. Now, I can understand what the Pharisees and the Sadducees not believing it. Not believing in the resurrection. Because Jesus said, if you tear down this temple, if you destroy this temple, 
He said, I'll raise it back up in three days. They laughed him to scorn. This temple was built. And how many years, how long did it take this temple to be built? And you say you're going to raise it back up. They didn't understand his language. He was talking about his death, his burial, and his resurrection. But the disciples should have understood what he was saying. And then in verse 13, it said, And behold, two of them went that same day to a village called Emmaus, which was from Jerusalem, about three scores for long. And they talked together of all these things which had happened. And it came to pass that while they communed together and reasoned, Jesus himself drew near and went with them. But their eyes was holding that they should not know him. Okay, this is us, church. (laughs) They were talking about what had yet happened. They were talking about it amongst themselves. Y'all know how we reason things out, how we'll say, I'll use me and my husband for example. If something is going on down the road where we stay at, we are reason amongst ourselves. Well, maybe they're doing this right here, or maybe they're doing that right there. And then I'll say, well, why don't you go ask, and then we'll find out. <laughs> Y'all know what we mean by reasoning? We keep talking it over to our, uh, amongst ourselves, and maybe me and my husband will come up with a conclusion, and guess what? That wasn't even the right conclusion. Because we be reasoning amongst ourselves. So Jesus, he was walking in the midst of them, and they did not even know that it was Jesus. Let me tell you what's stopping us from knowing the word when the word is coming forth. What's stopping us is our reasoning. It's our wondering. It's us getting in the way, trying to figure out something instead of accepting what he's already done. We're trying to figure out, well, why did this pain come? Where did this pain come from? Okay, what was I doing? What in the world is going on with me? So we're reasoning, trying to figure it out. Instead of accepting, I am healed. It don't matter how it came. It don't matter where it come from. The only thing that matter is, he said, by Jesus stripes, you were already healed. So I'm going to take what really matters. I'm going to take my healing. That's paying attention to his words. So they were not... um, Their eyes was holding. They didn't know it was Jesus. So they kept on talking about, you know, what had happened. But then Jesus began to talk. I'm skipping on down here. And he began to talk about himself in verse 27. And the beginning at Moses and all the prophets, he expounded unto them in all the scriptures the things concerning himself. So Jesus began to expound. He began to go from Moses to all the prophets, talking about Jesus' death, burial, and resurrection. And after he done this, these two um, men that he was walking with, I like this part. It said in verse 29, But they constrained him, saying, Abide with us, for it is towards evening and the day is far spent and he went in to tarry with them and it came to pass as he sat at meat with them he took bread and blessed it and break it and gave it to them now look this is something that they were familiar with because jesus broke bread with them didn't he he was breaking that bread and um he blessed it and he gave it unto them but this was right before he was going to be crucified right They were communing with him. But I believe when Jesus was breaking that bread, I believe they saw those prints in his hands. 
those nails in his hands and their eyes was open and they knew him and he vanished out of their sight. So what did Jesus do? Jesus brought something to them that they were familiar with for them to recognize that he was who he said he was, that he had risen, right? But then the next part they said, and they said one to another, did not our hearts burn within us while he taught with us by the way and while he opened to us the scripture. So look what happened. When Jesus began to talk with them, when Jesus began to open up the scriptures, when they began to get revelation from what the word was saying, and see, we need some revelation from the word. The word of God need to be opened up to us. It need to be revealed to us. And the only way it can be opened and revealed is through the Holy Spirit. So once the word began to um, be opened and revealed to them, guess what? There was a burning. Look what happened. And it says, and they rose up. I don't want to miss this part. And they said one to another, did not our hearts burn within us while he talked with us by the way? So their hearts on the inside was burning within them. When you get a revelation from the word of God, there's like a burning, like Jeremiah says, like fire shut up in your bones and you can't contain it because you're connecting with truth. You're getting revelation. The word is being revealed. There's light coming from the word. So they were getting that light. And they knew that they had been with Jesus. So what am I saying about this resurrection? I want to go back to 1 Corinthians 15. Let's go to 1 Corinthians 15. In 1 Corinthians 15, this is Paul talking. Now remember that when Jesus rose from the dead and they were going out proclaiming that he had rose from the dead, they were witnesses um, concerning his resurrection. So they were, you know, telling people that he had rose. Now, this is what Paul said. It says, 15.1, Moreover, brethren, I declare unto you the gospel which I preach unto you, which also you have received and wherein you stand, by which also you are saved if you keep in memory what I preached unto you, unless you have have believed in vain. For I delivered unto you, first of all, that which I also received. You cannot give someone something that you haven't received. You cannot give someone the good news, the gospel, if you have not received the good news, the gospel yourself. So he said, at first, I'm giving to you what I received, how that Christ died for our sins according to the scripture. So Paul is breaking it down. Paul is saying, I'm giving you what I have received. And I want to ask you today, what have you received? Because if you have received this good news, I'm going to tell you something. Ain't no way that you can keep it to yourself. There's no way that you have gotten illumination and revelation concerning Jesus' death, burial, and resurrection, and you keep it to yourself. And the reason why people are keeping it to themselves is because they don't have no revelation on it. They don't have no illumination. The light have not really hit them. They have accepted Jesus, but they don't even know why they accepted him. They don't even know why he died. They do not really have the revelation concerning this because, see, Paul couldn't keep it to himself. Everywhere Paul went, the experience that Paul had on the road to Damascus, Paul had to share that experience with someone and say there was a light that shone down from heaven. Paul was the one that was what? He was what crucifying, not really crucifying the Christians. He was, you know, taking them to prison, you know, locking them up because he didn't like 
what they were preaching. He didn't like what they were saying. So when he had that Damascus Road experience with the Lord and he accepted him as his Lord and his Savior, guess what? His heart changed. His heart changed. He turned from sin and he turned to God. See, Saul, which is known as Paul now, he thought he knew everything. Let me tell you something. When you have a heart change, you go into a humbling state. There's a change on the inside of you that has taken place, not because of what you've done, but because you know what he's done. So Paul changed that day on that road to Damascus. He became humble. Matter of fact, he was blinded by that light. He had to be led to the place that Jesus told him to go to and wait. And then Jesus sent someone there. I believe it was Ananias. Was it Ananias? He sent him there to give him a word from the Lord. But guess what? Ananias was like, isn't this the man? See, this is how we are. When God tell us to go to somebody, we want to question him and say, isn't that Sister Loretta the one that used to do this and the one that used to do that? And I believe Jesus says, not for you to say what she used to do. She's going to go through many of things for my sake. And it's not for you to judge her. It's just for you to deliver my message. So he went and he delivered the message to Saul, which is known as Paul. And from that day forward, he began to preach the gospel. He began to preach what he has witnessed, what he has got revelation upon. So this is why he's saying, I'm only giving you what I have received. And I want to ask the church, what are you giving people? Are you giving them more news on COVID-19? Are you watching the news? Because I see people right, right now, you can't even turn on live. Or if you're on live, you're trying to switch back and forth to see what COVID-19 has got to say today, to see how many people died today, and you're sitting in front of your television shaking your head and saying, Lord, have mercy. Have mercy on what? He done had mercy. It is time for us to rise up as a church, and it's time for us to go out and say, Jesus didn't just die. He died for sin. This is what Paul is saying. Paul is saying that I'm going to give to you what I have received. That Jesus died for our sins. Guess what? It wasn't his sin. It was our sin. And we know that sin came into this world through one man. And that one man was Adam. And Adam, in in Genesis 3, we already know about this and I'm going to go through it briefly. I try to. So Adam, he was in that garden with his wife Eve. And what I love so much, y'all, about the Garden of Eden, when God had set up everything that needed to be set up, guess what? He didn't just put us in any kind of place. He didn't just put us in any kind of situation. God spoke those things that be not as though they were. He put everything that we needed in this garden for us to live the life that God would have us to live. Is that not a loving God? And the enemy knew, the enemy wanted the authority, he wanted the dominion that God had given us, and the only way he could get it was by twisting the truth, by deceiving them, by using what God had created. And I want to tell you, the enemy is using Christians during this COVID-19 to twist the word of God now. God's word do not change. If God says that you are healed, you are healed regardless of what's going on. And around you because his word does not change. 
If God said you're going to live and not die, you're going to live and not die. Why? Because you have eternal life. And that life never ends, y'all. It don't end because of COVID-19. This is why we want to make sure that everybody know about the death, the burial, and the resurrection. So in that garden, he used a serpent. And we know that serpent was what God has created. So the enemy will use whomever he chooses to use. So we know that they were deceived. They ate. When God told them don't eat from that tree of knowledge of good and evil, he gave them one command. By breaking that one command, all of it was broken. So as they broke that command, sin entered the world through one man, which was Adam. And when sin entered the world, guess what? Adam and Eve was naked. And the Bible said that they were naked, but they were not ashamed. They didn't have a reason to cover up. Why? Because they were clothed with his righteousness. They were clothed with, you know, um, I'll say his righteousness, his goodness. Everything that they needed was right there. So they were not ashamed. And I believe another reason why they wasn't ashamed, because they were husband and wife. Adam didn't have nothing to be ashamed of for his wife to see. She didn't have nothing to be ashamed of for the husband to see. They were one. And see, this is what people got to realize. God, death, burial, and resurrection is making us one with him, y'all. We're supposed to be one with him. We're supposed to be united with him, and we are in the spirit. So as Adam and Eve um, found out that they were naked, guess what they tried to do? They tried to cover it up. You know what? Some of us are still trying to cover up stuff. See, if you understand his death, burial, and resurrection, you wouldn't have to cover nothing. Because you should already know that he paid the price for your past, your present, and your future sins. So they tried to cover up themselves. They tried to cover up with some leaves. But then I I thank God for God because they tried to hide from God. They tried to hide from their creator. Why? Because they feared God. It was not a, um, a reverencing fear. It was a fear of God because they knew that they had done wrong. They were ashamed. They brought fear into the world. They brought um, shame into the world. Why? Through disobeying that one command. So God had to find someone to deal with sin. Man couldn't do it because man was full of sin. But God made a promise right there in that Garden of Eden. He made the promise of the coming Messiah. And this is what God did. He killed an animal and he covered them with animal skin. So that was the first shedding of blood in that Garden of Eden. He covered them. They were covered, but guess what? Sin was not done away with. So the next thing that God did in the Old Testament, he used animals to atone for sin because there's life in the blood. But those animals only atoned for sin. They were animal sacrifices. It covered sin, but it did not do away with sin. But what God did, he sent his son because the word said, for God so loved the world. The world, that's everybody. So church, let's don't leave nobody out. Let's don't pick and choose whom we want to minister to. Because it said, for God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son. And that whosoever believe in him shall not perish, but have what? Everlasting life. So he had to give his son. And his son, when he gave his son, see, the priest had to minister continually. They did not sit down because when those sacrifices came in and that blood was shed, they had to do this on a daily basis. 
But Jesus came in when he laid down his life. Nobody took his life. He laid it down. He laid down his life for us. The Bible says God made him sin for us who knew no sin. He knew no sin. He did no wrong. I want y'all to grab that. Jesus did no wrong. Love laid down his life. God loved us so much that he said, I'm going to give my very life to you. What did he do? He said, I'm going to script myself of who I am and I'm going to become a mere man. So he died twice. He come from heaven. He scripted himself of who he was, God himself. And then he took and become a human and walked among us and gave up his life. That's humility. So God said, have you really gave up you for me? Have you really realized, God, I don't want to live this life the way I'm living it no more. I cannot do it no more, God. I'm laying down this life. This is what he did. So he laid down his life. He became a servant. He became the son of man. And he died for us as human. But guess what? I'm going to get to that resurrection. So after all this, that Jesus paid the price for sin, Jesus sat down on the right hand of the Father. But before Jesus went, when he was on that cross, I want y'all to catch this. Jesus, on that cross, could have spoken and not even died. That's why he didn't say a word. Because he knew that words have power. He knew that he could have called before they took him to the cross a legion of angels. And he wouldn't even have to go to the cross. But Jesus didn't say anything. Jesus got on that cross even when they was accusing him. And they were saying while he was on the cross, if you are the son of God, let him rescue you. Then we will believe you. See, people want some proof. That's us. Before we believe that we're healed, before we believe that we're prosperous, we want to see the money. We want to see that we don't see the Thomas no more. We want to see that we don't see nothing no more before we can say, hallelujah, he's healed me. So this is what was going on with Jesus. He went to that cross. And as he was on that cross, Jesus, they spit on Jesus. Y'all know they pierced him in the side. Hmm. Drove the nails through what? His hands. And Jesus was on that cross in agony. They mocked him. They ridiculed him. They put a thorns, a crown of thorns on his head. Jesus went through all of this for something he did not even do. But he did not open his mouth. So when he was on that cross, and when he was ready to give up the ghost. He said it's finished. It was finished because he paid the price for all of our sins, for our past, present, and future sin, for every sin that we would even not even know about. He paid the price for it. Jesus died for the sins of the whole world. So when he died for those sins and they took him off that cross, they buried him in a tomb. And the tomb that they buried him in was a tomb nobody had never been in. He was buried. Now, we got to look at the other religious leaders that was buried. None of them has come back to life. But Jesus, when he was buried, he already told them he's going to rise again. 
He's going to rise on the third day. And getting back to that resurrection, he told them, this is his crucifixion. This is his death. He died for our sins, y'all. He died so we could live. He died so we could have life and life more abundantly. He paid the price that none of us in this room could pay the price for. None of us that's watching live could pay that price. When we know the price that has already been paid for sin, guess what? We don't have to feel guilty. We don't have to feel condemned no more. Why? Because in him there is now no more condemnation. So when the enemy make us feel guilty and make us feel wrong, it's because he's holding something that we have opened up a door to. But once we realize what the enemy is holding on us, that's when we begin to say, Father, forgive me. I recognize that you have already forgiven me for this. So God, I'm turning away from this because you already paid the price for it. So I don't have to be subject unto this. So that was his death. And then his burial. And then we're talking about his resurrection. When Jesus rose, they had to witness this resurrection. They had to um, go tell people, he's risen. He's risen. Y'all, we supposed to be out there saying he's not on that cross no more. But he is risen. And if he had not have rose from the dead, we will not be forgiven. If he had not rose from the dead, we will not be justified. We will not have been made righteous with God. If he had not been risen from the dead, then death would still be holding him. But death cannot hold him. Death cannot hold us because he has risen. And if we know that he has risen, that means he has paid the price for our justification, for our sanctification, for us to be set apart, for us to be made holy. He has redeemed us he has reconciled us if he had not have risen where would we have been where would we have been but now that he has risen and we know what he has done for us and we have accepted him as our lord and as our savior and i want to say if you have accepted him as your lord and as your savior go with me to romans 6 4 In Romans 6, 4, this is what the word of God is saying to us. It says, Therefore we are buried with him by baptism into death, that like as Christ was raised up from the dead by the glory of the Father, even so we also should live in the newness of life. That walk means live. So what Jesus did, when he died, Jesus went to hell and he took back the key of death he rescued us y'all from hell he took back those keys i believe he went down there say that don't belong to you no more so he took back those keys of death he defeated death hell and the grave and when he rose guess what this is why we have to understand what the scriptures are saying When you go to Matthew 28, after Jesus rose from the dead and after he said, go tell them that I have risen from the dead, he was letting them know exactly that I am the son of God. He proved 
that he was the son of God because guess what? After he rose, he took back on the fullness of God when he rose from the dead. And guess what? That same power that raised him from the dead, y'all is living and dwelling on the inside of us. So we should not have an excuse walking around here doing COVID-19, being scared of COVID-19 when we should be operating in resurrection power. We are not amongst the dead. We are amongst the living because he's alive on the inside of us and everywhere we go. And this is what he told me. He said, do you know everywhere you go, I'm with you. He said, so release me. Release me. Jennifer, release him. He said, everywhere you go, he's with you. Release him. How do I release him? He come out from inside. Through my mouth, I'm releasing him when I'm testifying of his resurrection. He's not dead. He is alive in me. He has risen. We're manifesting him through telling people he's alive. We're walking in a newness of life. That newness of life is manifesting him here on this earth. God said, I want you to manifest my goodness. I want you to manifest my healing. I want you to manifest everything that I manifested when I walked the earth. When Jesus walked the earth, y'all know about old Lazarus? Lazarus died. I don't know about y'all. But if you got somebody in your family that's sick, and you know Jesus is the man, and you got to go find him and say, go get Jesus, because I have a family member that's sick. We need to find Jesus. They found Jesus and told Jesus that Lazarus was sick. And Jesus said, okay. How would y'all feel? <laughs> Come on, you got somebody at death door. And they went and found him. And he said, okay. And then he stayed two more days. Come on, somebody. How we feel right now doing COVID-19 when the toilet tissue's out. <laughs> and we want toilet tissue. And we're trying to find toilet tissue. Two days done passed. <laughs> No toilet tissue. But then Jesus showed up on time. Let me t- it don't matter when he show up. He knew he had all power, Sister Loretta, in his hands. So we got to understand that that same power is on the inside of us. So when we show up, the power of God is going to show up with us. So when Jesus come into town dealing with Lazarus in St. John, the 11th chapter, One of them sisters said, if you had been here, my brother wouldn't have died. If you had been here, he wouldn't have died. Don't we say some stuff when stuff happening in our lives? We try to blame everybody for everything that's going on. If you had been here, he would not have died. And I like what Jesus began to tell her. And this is what we have to understand in verse 25, St. John 11, 25. Jesus said unto her, I am the resurrection. I am the resurrection and the life. He that believe in me, though he were dead, yet he shall live. See, this is why it's so important, y'all. We as sons, we as daughters, we represent him. We are his ambassadors here on earth. And if we can't give them hope, And that hope comes through the preaching of the good news, the gospel. If we can't do it, y'all, who's going to do it? 
We're supposed to be going out and proclaiming. When Jesus rose in Matthew 28, he began to talk to those disciples. He began to say, now I want you to go ye therefore. He rose, he said, now he sent me, now I'm sending you. And I'm going to send you with all power because he has given me all power in heaven and on earth. He has given us the keys to the kingdom. He said, rise up. He said, manifest me here on this earth. Let my will be done. Let my kingdom come here on earth as it is in heaven. He said, let the power of the resurrection come through you in the time of this crisis. Begin to speak on everything that Jesus have already done. Begin to declare his word. So when Jesus came in with Lazarus, going back to Lazarus, He knew who he was. I'm going to ask you this. Do you know who you are? I believe that's the problem with the church. We tell people what they want to hear, but yet we don't know who we are. How do I know? Because you're doing stuff outside of this new life in Christ. You're living contrary to who you say you are. See, if I am saying that I am a new creature in Christ, And I'm saying old things have passed away. Behold, all things have become new. I'm going to live according to what's new. I'm not going to live according to what's old. That old was that old nature that was in me, that was compelling me, that was driving me to sin. I don't have that nature. I have a new nature on the inside of me. And that new nature brings life. That new nature brings heaven on the inside of me. And in heaven, there is no sin. And in heaven, there is no sickness. In heaven, there is no depression or oppression. In heaven, there is none of these things. So in order for me to live like heaven on this earth, I got to know who I am, who I belong to, and what I have from heaven. And when I know these things, I can turn away from sin. If he died for sin and he done away with it, then why are we still doing things outside of what he's already done? Because we don't know who we are. We don't know what he done. Because I'm going to tell you something. When my heart changed for Jesus, nobody didn't have to tell me to stay out of the club. Nobody didn't have to tell me to do stuff that I know I should be doing because guess what? He's in me. And by him being in me, the Holy Spirit is leading me in the way of righteousness. He's not leading me in the way of sin. So if you are still doing stuff outside his word, it's because you choose to do it. Because ain't no way you can have the power of God on the inside of you and still live foul. Ain't no way. Because you choose to live foul. God is saying, turn away from that. The woman that committed adultery, what did he tell her? Where are thou accusers? Y'all, we're going to have some accusers, aren't we? We're going to have people to accuse us of all things. But if you know you haven't done those things, you're not worrying about your accusers. You're just going about your business. But this woman, she did commit adultery. And they're going to put in front of Jesus, tell me, we need to stone her right now. Jesus said, where are your accusers? She said, they're not here. He said, neither do I accuse you. See, past, present, and future sins. But one thing he said, go. And sin no more. And see, living this new life in Christ, living this resurrection life in Christ, it takes a renewing of your mind. It takes being not conformed to the patterns of this world. 
It takes being transformed, changed by the renewing of your mind, just like a uh, um, caterpillar. Y'all, a caterpillar look ugly. I know everything that God made is good, but when you see that little thing going around there, you're ready to kill it. But see, God said, don't kill it. It's going to transform. He said, right now, it don't look good. He said, but it's going to transform into a beautiful butterfly. So you may have accepted Jesus as your Lord and Savior, and you still ain't acting good. You're still doing stuff that you shouldn't be doing. But the more you get into the word of God and renew your mind, you're going to become a beautiful butterfly. You're going to become um, that newness. Your lifestyle is going to be like heaven's lifestyle. You're going to be representing the fruit of the spirit. You're going to be going on about your father's business. And y'all, it is not hard. The way of a transgressor is hard. But the more you get into this word, there is no way that you still hate your enemy. There's no way because whatever the word says, that's what you're going to do. You're going to do what the word's saying. And the more you do what the word's saying, it becomes so much a part of you. You can walk up to your enemy and say, I love you. And your flesh don't cringe. You don't have a problem. You can work beside your worst enemy. You can share your food with your worst enemy. Why? Because you live in that new life in Christ. That's what he would do. He would bless those who curse him. He would love those who hate him. He would what? Pray for those who despitefully use him. Why? We go by the word. This is our new life, y'all, in him. It is the word of God. So we got to take the word for what it is. If the word says it, we have to do it. Even if our flesh don't like it, we say, "Uh uh-uh, you ain't going to be subject to that today. That's not what the word of God says. So God said, being that he has risen, He said, he's in us. That same power's in us that raised him from the dead. And y'all, there's nothing that we cannot do with that resurrection power. And God reminded me, um, had to be about a month ago, I believe we was in this church. And I was sitting right where Julia Manny is sitting. I was sitting beside my daddy. And it was a dead body up here. And they was having a funeral service. And I believe God, in dreams, he would give you a setting that you're familiar with, I guess, to keep your attention. (laughs) So the body was up here, and we had the preacher up here. And I was back there, and I'm hearing the Spirit of the Lord saying, he said, I want you to say, Lazarus, come forth. And in my mind, I'm saying, I'm not saying that in all these people up in here. And he kept saying, say, Lazarus, come forth. So immediately... I shouted with a loud voice, Lazarus, come forth. And my daddy was right there beside me. He said, open that casket. And when they opened the casket, the dead body got out the casket and began to walk the floor. And then God said, say now tumors and growths are being healed. They're going to disappear. Why? Because God was letting me know you got resurrection power on the inside of you. You got a power on the inside of you that will raise the dead. And the only thing you got to do is open your mouth when I say. See, it's obedience, y'all. God says obedience is better than sacrifice. The willing and the obedient shall eat the good of the land. So I'm telling you today, he has risen, but he has risen on the inside of you. He has paid the price for your sins. And the only way that we can go to the Father is through Jesus Christ. He's the way, the truth, and the life. No man can go through the Father unless we go through him. Jesus is the only way to heaven. 
So we have to go to him to be accepted by the Father. Quit trying to do stuff on your own to be accepted. Some of us that are saved right now, we're still trying to pray a certain way. We're still doing rituals, trying to get something from God. The only thing you have to do is do what the word of God tells you to do. But don't do it trying to get something. You have everything that you need because Jesus paid the price for it. So the only thing you got to do is begin to decree and declare what he's already done and begin to accept what he has already done. He has risen. He has risen on the inside of us. He's dwelling on the inside of us. Go with me to Romans the 8th chapter. I'm going to tell you something. The road that you travel, God will take you back to that road. The Holy Spirit is reminding me of this. In verse 10, Romans 8, verse 10. And if Christ be in you, the body is dead because of sin. But the spirit is life because of righteousness. But if the spirit of him that raised up Jesus from the dead dwell in you, he that raised up Christ from the dead shall also, listen this, quicken your mortal bodies by his spirit that dwelleth in you. So we have the spirit of God that's on the inside of us that will quicken, bring to life our mortal body. So what is this saying to me today? If someone is sick and I go to them and I say, be healed in Jesus' name. If I lay hands on them, the power of God is coming through my hands. That resurrected power. And it's going to raise them up. It's going to heal them. It's going to deliver them. It's going to set them free. This is why we have to stay in connection with the word of God. Because when God is telling us to speak something, we're speaking life until something that's dead. And we're saying rise up. We're not waiting on it to rise up. We already see it rising up. So we have that same resurrection power. And every day we should be representing him on this earth. Yes, y'all, we're in a crisis. But I'm reminded of Psalm, um, John 14. He said, peace I leave unto you. My peace I give unto you. Not as the world give unto you. Let not your heart be troubled. Neither let it be afraid. So what was Jesus saying? He said, I'm giving you peace in the midst of this crisis that's going to bring you quietness, that's going to bring you a stillness, that's not going to have you in worry, that's not going to have you in panic, but it's a peace that's going to bring stillness. And he said, when that peace comes during the crisis, you know it's my peace. He said, the peace I give you is not going to have worry. The world's peace is a peace that's waiting for the calm to come. The peace that he give us is in the midst of tribulation. It's in the midst of sorrow. It's in the midst of pain. We have this peace where we can lay down at night and we can rest in him. See, the children of Israel could not rest in him because they were not mixing faith with that rest. So we have to mix faith with the word of God to be at rest. So if he's telling us, I have given you my peace, y'all, we have to stir up that peace on the inside of us by going to the scripture and say, thank you, God, for the peace that you have given me. Thank you, God, for the quietness in the midst of this crisis. Thank you, God, that I don't have to be anxious. Neither do I have to be afraid because, Father God, you have given me the right and you have given me the authority to speak over this crisis and it has to be still. 
So if we do more speaking over this crisis, the word of God, we won't be afraid to get in our car and go to the grocery store. We won't be afraid to go deliver someone a package. We won't be afraid because the government is saying people are dying. We won't be afraid because they say it's in our county. We won't be afraid because we know who we are and whom we belong to. We won't be afraid to shake some... Y'all, this is what's happening. The enemy don't want you shaking hands. The enemy don't want you... You know how you're supposed to give somebody a holy kiss, not in the lips. You know what I mean? Some people kissing in the lips and talking about that's holy kiss. You ain't married. There ain't no holy kiss. That's nasty. We don't do that up in church. We don't do all that foolishness. But we do what he tell us to do. But what the enemy is doing through COVID-19, he's bringing fear, panic, anxiety, mental depression, oppression. He's bringing all of these things. Guess why? Because we're giving him that advantage. Because that's all I'm hearing Christian folks talk about. Now, stay away from these people. Make sure you do this right here when you go out. What did God tell you to do? God told us, and I'm going to end with this. I know, Apostle, I have three endings, but I'm going to really try to end with this. (laughs) Psalms 91. Hallelujah. Praise Jesus. And I'm going to read it out, the expanded Bible. Hallelujah to the Lamb. Amen. That's the truth. Hallelujah to the Lamb of God. Psalms 91. Listen at this. Those who go to God most high for safety. Who we going to? God. Dwell, sit in the shelter of God most high. Will be protected by the Almighty. I want y'all to catch it. Those who go to God most high for safety. Are you going? Are you there? He said, shall will be protected, lodged in the shadow of the Almighty. Oh, thank you, Jesus. Those who go to him, these are the ones that will say to the Lord, you are my place of safety. You are my refuge, my protection, my fortress. You are my God and I trust, have confidence in you. Stop right there. I want to ask you this. Why are you saying number two and you ain't even trusting number one? We got people that saying this very thing and going out and doing like this. Who that? Who sneezed? You need to go home. But you're going home and saying, he who dwells. Verse three. God will save, protect you from hidden traps, the snare of the fowler. Who's going to save you? And from deadly diseases, pestilence, he will cover you with his feathers, and under his wings you can hide, you will find refuge. His truth and faithfulness will be your shield and protection. A buckler, a small shield. You will not fear any danger by terror at night or an arrow that flies during the day. Oh, that's awesome. You will not be afraid of diseases or pestilence that walks, stalks in dark, or sickness that strikes, devastate, overpowers at noon. At your side, 1,000 people may die. We're not hearing this. They may fall. Mm. Or even 10,000 right beside you at your right hand. Can y'all imagine? But you will not be hurt. 
But you will not be hurt. But you will not be hurt. COVID-19 will not touch you. COVID-19 will not touch you. Let me say this again. At your side, 1,000 people may die. They may fall. Or even 10,000 right beside you. Come on, they right beside you. Right beside you. At your right hand. But you will not be hurt. COVID-19 will not touch you. You will only watch, look with your eyes. And see the wicked punished. The Lord is your protection. For you, Lord, are my refuge. You have made God most high your place of safety, your dwelling place. Nothing bad, evil will harm you, will happen before you. No disasters blow or plague will come to approach you, your home or your tent. He has put his angels in charge of, commanded his angels, his messengers concerning you to watch over, keep guard you wherever you go. Wherever you go. Wherever you go. All your ways, they will catch you, lift you up in their hands so that you will not hit your foot on a rock. You will walk, tread on lions and cobras. You will step on strong lions and snakes. The Lord says, whoever loves, desires me, I will save and rescue. I will protect, lift to safety. Those who know me, my name, do you know him? Do you know him, his name? They will call to me, and I will answer them. I will be with them in trouble, distress. I will rescue them in honor and glorify them. I will give them a long, full life, satisfy them with length of days, and they will see how I can save. Show them my salvation and victory. Look at God. Y'all, that's his word. That's what's written. It's not going to change. And I want to say this. This is how we let evil in our house. We let it in our house by doing opposite of what the word says. If the government is saying to do this, we obey. The word of God tells us to obey those that are in authority. Listen, church folks. If the government is telling you, do not have services. Go on live. Obey the government, but still speak truth. Do not go and try to do something that you should not be doing and saying, God told me to do it. Go with me to Romans 13. Oh, here go the second round, Apostle. <laughs> Romans 13. 13. Listen at what it says. Let every soul be subject unto the higher powers. For there is no power but of God, the powers that be ordained of God. Whosoever therefore resists the power, resists the ordinance of God, and they that resist shall receive to themselves damnation. For rulers are not a terror to good works, but to evil. Will thou then not be afraid of the power? Do that which is good, and thou shalt have praise of the same. Y'all hear that? So those that are in authority, we're supposed to obey them. Even if they don't know. We're supposed to obey them, not unless they tell us, don't pray no more. The devil is alive. We become Daniel. The spirit of Daniel come on us, and we open those windows towards Jerusalem. And we begin to pray unto our God. Amen? So those out there that's not being obedient, you are letting evil in your house. And that's even us. When God tell us not to do something in the word and we do it, you, the devil is saying we got to open it. Come on in. This is what we do. 
we allow something that he paid the price for. So close these doors that you have opened to the enemy in your house. Close them, seal them with the blood of Jesus because Jesus paid the price for sin with the shedding of his blood. Without the shedding of blood, there is no remission of sin. Y'all, he has risen, so church, let's live like he has risen. Let's live like he has risen. Let's live in these in the newness of life, and let's quit playing. Let's quit proclaiming stuff we don't believe. Let's only speak what we believe, amen? Come on and give God some hand clap of praise, for he has risen. And at this time, before the service is over, I'm going to ask, Um, brother Manny to come up and we're going to just take communion and I pray that those that are watching live that you have um, what you need available for communion today amen amen hallelujah to God be the glory for this communion service on today hallelujah thank you Jesus hallelujah thank you Jesus We thank God for Jesus Christ being our Passover, being our sacrifice. And I just want to say a little bit on um, something God was showing me this morning. uh, Because we know sometimes we can look and see, uh, even through the old things that's happening right now in the world, And as I was reading this morning, I was just looking at the Passover. You know, how they had to eat. They had to take of a lamb without blemish, without spot. And they were shed in their houses. And I just think of us now, we're shed in. You know, we're shed in because there's death all around us. It was death all around them. And God says, shed yourselves in and eat of this lamb. You know, and and I'm going to cause death to pass over you. And also he was judging, he said, I'm going to judge all the gods of Egypt, which represents the world. The G-O-D, the, the, the little G, because we know there's only one God. Amen. And right now I'm just looking and seeing how really all the gods of this world are being judged. The God of, of basketball, the God of baseball, Amen. you know, the God of TV. You know, all these guys that people haven't realized have been above, they put him above them. They're being judged right now because now they're shed in. They can't get to these guys, these idols, you know. And it's it's bringing them to a place, are you going to either turn to God or like Apostle said, you're just waiting to get back out to get back to the same thing. You know, so God has given people a chance to bow their knee Mm. to Christ. And confess that Jesus is Lord. So you, you, he's given us a chance right now. He's so long-suffering. He's given us a chance. Amen. But us, his children, we're shed in and we're supposed to eat of this lamb, you know, right. which, which we're going to partake of today. We're eating of Jesus Christ. This is his body that was broken for us. This is his blood that was shed for us. Our faith is in that Amen. and that alone, you know, what he's done. Um, 
and we have protection. Amen. Um, I'm going to read here in John 6, and I'm um, going to start at verse 53. It says, Then Jesus said unto them, Verily, verily, I say unto you, Except you eat the flesh of the Son of Man and drink his blood, you have no life in you. Amen. Whoso eateth my flesh and drinketh my blood has eternal life, and I'll raise him up at the last day. For my flesh is meat indeed, and my blood is drink indeed. He that eateth my flesh and drinketh my blood dwelleth in me, and I in him. So, as we partake of this today, just think of that. Like, like Apostle said, when she was talking about Jesus is the resurrection and the life. And how Martha said, Lord, if you had been here, my brother wouldn't have died. But he says, you know, he dwells in us. We dwell in him. So he's here. He's in us. Amen. So whatsoever we need is in him. Amen. You know, so when we partake of this, we, we recognize what he's done. He's paid the, paid the cost. Everything is finished. And, and he's in us to give us what we need. So we just thank you, Father. We thank you for sending Jesus Christ. We thank you for you putting your judgment upon him, your wrath upon him, God, so that we wouldn't have to take it, God. Amen. We thank you, God. You quickened him back from death to life, and you raised him from the dead, and he's seated at the right hand, God. And, Father, we thank you for this rest, God, for we enter in by believing what's been done, God. And, Father, we just, we just pray today that whoever's in need of healing, God, as they partake, God, they will instantly be healed, God. Whosoever is in need of peace, God, because he was chastised for their peace, God. They, they will have peace that passes all understanding, God. And we just say thank you, Father. We thank you for all you've done, Lord Jesus. And we just eat of your body and drink of your blood in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you, Lord. We thank you that as this word has gone forth today, we thank you that it's penetrating hearts and those that want to participate and be members of the kingdom of God. You want everlasting life. You want this protection that we've been speaking about. You just have to believe in your heart that Jesus, he came down off the throne, he gave up everything, and he walked as a mere man, but he walked as a sinless man because he did not have sin in him. He fulfilled the law, and then he went to the cross and hung on the cross for us. 
Because it said, cursed is him that hangs on the tree. Jesus took every curse, every sickness, every disease, poverty, anything the enemy could send. It does not come from God. It comes from the enemy. And Jesus did all that for us. He did it for you. And don't look at yourself and say, I'm not worthy. We're not worthy. We're not worthy. But because of what Jesus did, when we accept what he did, when we accept him, daddy does not see us. He sees his son. We're covered by what Jesus did. His righteousness covers us. So if you just repeat after me, say, Father, I believe in my heart that Jesus lived a sinless life. He went to the cross. He took my sins with him. He died there for me as a sacrifice. And he was buried. And he arose again on the third day. And he ascended into the heavens and placed his blood on the mercy seat. The perfect sinless blood that was the only blood that could do away with sin. And Father, we just thank you, Father God, that as they have repeated this, Father God, that they have confessed you, God, and they've believed, Father God, the words that they have heard on today. Father God, I just thank you, Father God, for letting them know, giving them a reassurance, Father God, that as the Holy Spirit comes into their heart, Father God, the comforter, the one that gives peace, the one that gives peace that passes all understanding. Father God, I just thank you, Father God, that they're going to know, Father God, and it's not about a feeling. It is not about a feeling. It's about a knowing. You know that you know that you have done this, and you've received Jesus, and you are saved, and welcome to the kingdom of God. And now we encourage you to continue to follow us and to... um, Learn more about him because you need to know who you are now that you're saved. And it's all about knowing what he did for us. And that's that's how we know who we are. We just thank you, God. Hallelujah. Amen. We're going to have the announcements with the theater to tell you how you can continually give into the ministry and other announcements at this time. And then we will have um, our tithes and our offering. Amen. Praise the Lord. We thank you for worshiping with us today online. Until further notice, we will be using our live stream, Facebook, and conference calls for our services in Clem School of Ministry. Sunday Sunday service will broadcast at 11 a.m. Eastern Standard Time and Clem Tuesday at 7 p.m. Eastern Standard Time. If you don't have access to the Internet, you can call in at 717-275-8940. The pen is 717-5824. Ways to send your tithes and offerings, you can go to www.mtdm.org or cash app at dollar sign mtdm20. Or you can mail it at Miracle Temple Deliverance Ministries, P.O. Box 1042, Burgard, North Carolina, 28425. Thank you. Amen. And again,
we thank you for watching live with us and we pray that the word that you have heard has transformed your life to god be the glory until next time know that we here at miracle temple deliverance ministry love you with the love of god god bless